not so much a chapter as it is a division. The book of Psalms is interesting. Uh, it is, in a lot of ways, the Hebrew hymn book, the song book, if you would, uh, broken up going into five different books. Uh, book one from Psalm 1 to 41 contains the first section, the first book of the book of Psalms, and a total of five different books, collection of Psalms, make up the book of Psalms and Scripture. Thought last week about how it was a comparison and a contra and contrasting. Uh, we have six verses. First three deal with the righteous man. Last three deal with the ungodly. Um, within the first three, in fact, we found in verse one, we found his postures. We looked at the things that the righteous man does not do. Bible said that blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor standeth in the way of sinners, nor sitteth in the seat of the scornful. We saw what he doesn't do. The righteous man, there's some things he does not do. We looked at that last week. Now, this morning I want to look in verse 2. We'll see some things that he does. And then in verse number 3, we'll find some things that God does for him, the promise that God gives him. But then we'll find in verse 4, there's a there's a shift. We know we're talking about the righteous man, but now we're talking about the ungodly. And in verse number 4, we find the Bible said the ungodly are not so, but they are like the chaff, which the wind driveth away. We find what the unrighteous is like. In verse number 5, we find uh, what they can't do. And then in verse number 6, uh, we find what their end will be. It's a comparison. It's a contrasting of the two. Uh, so we want to look first of all at the righteous man in verse 1 through 3. Last week, let me quickly recap, we saw the postures of the righteous man. We could talk about a lot of things there. We could talk about the place of the righteous man. There's some places he won't go. Notice this, uh, he walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly. He won't be around the counsel of the ungodly. He won't stand in the way of sinners. He's not going to go that way. He's uh, nor sitteth in the seat of the scornful places that the unrighteous man will not go. There's some people the unrighteous man just didn't want to be around. Bible said that he walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor standeth in the way of sinners, nor sitteth in the seat of the scornful. We saw the progression. He starts out walking, then standing, then sitting. Uh, we saw a lot here in, in verse number one. We talked about his stride that he walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly. We talk about his stand. He stands not in, the count, not in the way of sinners. We talk about his city, that he sits not in the seat of the scornful. But now, I feel this morning for the Lord had me on not only his postures, but I want to look at in verse 2, let's look at his passion. What is it that the righteous man is passionate about? We saw wrong what he doesn't do. I want to know what does he do. Isn't that right? Now, so let's go to what the Bible said in verse number two. But his delight is in the law of the Lord. And in his law doth he meditate day and night. Notice, first of all, about his passion. Notice the scriptures. You say, preacher, what is it that he's passionate about? Well, he's passionate about the word of God. Isn't that right? The Bible said, but his delight is in the law of the Lord. Uh, oh my, what a truth. Now, <laughs> we said last week, let me reiterate this. 
when I'm talking about the righteous man, I mean more than just a saved man. There is a difference. I understand when you're saved, your sins are forgiven, but and when I say a righteous man, well, what I mean is I'm talking about one that has completely sold out to the Lord. I mean, he's John, he, he's not going to stand in the way. He's not going to stand and walk in the counsel of God. He's not going to stand in the way of sinners. He's not going to sit and see the scornful. And the Bible says in verse 2, but his delight is in the law of the Lord. And Brother Kenny's been talking this morning about how the things in life that uh, he wanted, talking about how that he wasn't, there really wasn't that much that he wanted. And, uh, we all have desires. We all have delight. He said that. I believe he made the statement that it wasn't for animals, he'd probably never buy anything. Yeah. And uh, the reason for that is he gets delight from that. He enjoys that. It's a uh, pleasurable to him. Isn't that right? And, uh, but here's what the psalmist said in verse number two, that the righteous man, his delight, his pleasure, uh, his joy, uh, it comes from the word of the Lord. Isn't that right? right? He, he, the Bible said that his delight, uh, uh, oh my, that word delight literally means, uh, uh, let me say this, uh, it literally means that what he finds pleasure in. Uh, it's the law of the Lord. He gets all his happiness uh, all this pleasure, huh? all this enjoyment comes from the law of the Lord. Talking yeah. about the word of God. Huh? Oh my, what a place to be. Yeah, huh? yeah. I mean, he's not interested, listen, he's not interested in anything else. Now, I want to stop and say something just, just real quick. Ken talked this morning in Sunday school talking about going to work and how you ought to labor. And I, I believe that to be true. He hit the nail on the head. Uh, you ought to go to work as a child of God and be the best employee that uh, you could be. You ought, to, you ought to be the best you could be. And even, uh, I, I know Ronald may not go punch a time clock per se, but uh, Ronald, when you're logging for somebody, you ought to be the best logger they've ever had. Uh, they ought to know that he's going to, he's going to do you right. He's going to be honest. And, uh, he's going to be trustworthy. I mean, you ought to get on this example that we set forth. That yeah. I, I, when I quit working a public job, uh, I, I struggled with that a lot, John. I really did. Uh, uh, people, I guess over the years, a lot of people thought that that was uh, uh, something that I, I pushed on my wife. But in all honesty, it was really the other way around that. Uh, I felt like during that time that heard of the Lord had done gained up on because uh, the Lord was laying on my heart to pastor full time. And, uh, but I, I'll be honest, I didn't want to. I wanted to work. I wanted to go. I wanted to provide for my family. I wanted to be able to uh, go earn a paycheck. And uh, at that time, I was, it wasn't like I was stepping down to be your pastor. I didn't have a church that time. And uh, i never forget, she, she told me one night, she said, it just makes more sense uh, uh, for you to stay at home. Boy, I, I struggled with that. But I want to say this. Here's what I've decided, Noah. Here's what my uh, here's what my mentality is. Uh, I come in on Sunday morning and Sunday night and Wednesday night. Uh, I want to be just as tired as you are. I would have labored enough in the scripture that Ronald died. I'm dragging just as much as you are. Uh, if you've been cutting wood all week. Bless you. I want, to, I want to come in, Michelle, I want to preach to you. Uh, I want to feed you so much, and I want it to be so evident uh, that I've labored over the Word of God that, that nobody leaves saying, boy, he's got it made. Uh, he, he's got it made. Boy, he doesn't have to work. Uh, 
Earl, I want you to be a kid from my preaching that. I want you to be a kid that I've labored and I've studied that. Right. And I've dug and I took more labor at. Yeah. I, get, I don't want to yeah. ever walk out the doors and say he's not done anything this week. Yeah. I've written words and I've earned a paycheck. I, I want you to know that I've labored and I've worked that. Yeah. And that's not always easy because like Brother Kenny said, I, I don't have a physical boss come check up on me. Yeah. All right? Oh, it takes commitment to understand that you're doing it for the Lord. I said, all that to say this. I'm not saying this where I realize, John, that you, John's retired. He probably couldn't. Let me pick on Kenny. I realize Kenny's got a public job that demands a lot of his attention. He said a moment ago that he probably spends more time with his work family than he does his own family. I understand, Kenny, you can't sit at home for 10, 12 hours a day laboring in the Word of God. I understand that. But you can be a righteous man in your delight young from the Word of God. Right, right. Yeah, right. yeah. Oh my, here's what Spurgeon said. I went down to my office a few minutes ago and read it. Uh, Spurgeon said this, that not every man could devote himself uh, to the scriptures night and day, but every man could meditate upon them. Yeah, yeah. Here's what he said. Spurgeon said this. He said that he recommended to his young preachers and, uh, in, in, in the school that he taught in, that he recommended that uh, every day they pick a text of scripture uh, and read it as much as they could before they left out for the day and all day long chew on it and think on it uh, and come in that night thinking on it and chewing on it uh, and then go to bed that night with it on their mind and we'll see that here in just a moment to find their pleasure to find their delight in the word of God. Uh, I don't know what tomorrow holds for it but I tell you this uh, uh, the righteous man finds his delight in the law of the Lord uh, it doesn't matter, Michelle, what that's on the news tomorrow night. Uh, it doesn't matter what happens at the job tomorrow. It doesn't matter what happens at school tomorrow. Uh, it doesn't matter what happens at the White House tomorrow. Uh, the righteous man finds his delight, his pleasure, his enjoyment in the law of the Lord. Uh, and the good thing about the law of the Lord, the scripture is this uh, it never changes. Isn't that right? Yeah, that's right. Watch this, I gotta hurry. So we see he has. We see his passion. We see the scriptures. But then notice the study. Watch what the Bible says. He doesn't just give delight in the law of the Lord. Watch what the Bible says in verse 2. His delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law doth he meditate. Oh, my. This word meditate literally means to mutter. What it means? To mutter. Now, you say, preacher, that don't make any sense. You ever, any of you ladies ever maybe, made out of grocery list. And you, you got to go get something for a cake or for dinner or whatever the case may be. And maybe, Lydia, maybe you go ahead and write it down make sure you don't forget it. But you, you got so much on your mind. I mean, Wendy, you've got to make this cake for some function or whatever. And you, you want to make sure you've got everything that you need. It's important because you want to make sure you've got it all there. I've been to the grocery store before and seen women walking through there. They've got a list in their hand, and they're a mother to their sister. I mean, they're sitting there saying, I need butter, and I need milk, and I need eggs, and I need... <laughs> <laughs> they're mother. They're so important. They may have wrote it down. They may, they may have a list, but right here, 
God is so important to them that they're muttering to themselves. You men ever been working on something, maybe needed? Uh, you know how it is. Sometimes you don't you don't, don't take everything that you need. Maybe you need a Phillips head screwdriver. And uh, uh, me and Kurt were working on something over for my aunt's the other day, and uh, we had to go get a certain bit for a screw. Uh, the bit broke off, and uh, it was a T10 star drive. And uh, the whole way over, Kirk, I I knew you had the bit, but I wanted to remember it was a T10. And the whole way while we was driving, I was like a T10 and T10 and T10. I was muttering to myself. I didn't want to forget what was going for. Need a T10, need a T10. You ever done that mutter to yourself because it's something that's important now? That's what this word is, John. That's what the idea is. That he gets his delight in the law of the Lord and it's so important to him, Ronald, that he mutters it to himself all day. Right. I mean, listen, he gets in his mind. Uh, he, he reads and it gets in his mind and gets in his heart. Uh, and all day long, as blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of God, that don't stand in the way of the sinners, don't sit in 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 the sinners, don't Come in and she said, uh, I, I, I was sitting there, and I guess she thought I was just sitting there watching TV, but other boys had something on, and I, I was just sitting there in her tighter looking at the TV, and uh, she came in there telling me something, and I wouldn't have to pay attention to her, and she said, What are you doing? I said, I'm a studying. And she said, You're not studying, you'll have your Bible out, you're not reading a book. Uh, but that's what I was doing, Kirk. I was just sitting there meditating on it. I, I was just thinking about it, I was getting things in my mind that. Uh, has turned it over and over and over and over again. That's the idea to mutter, to just wear it over, run it through your mind again and again and again and again. And that's what the righteous man does. A turkey may be framing out a wall, but in his mind, he's meditating on the word of God. Again, he may be speaking where poles will be, but in his mind, he's thinking about the word of God. She may be making a cake or cleaning house, but in her mind, she's running through the word of God and muttering to herself and getting in her heart. In her mind, she may be getting her drawing blood at the doctor's office, but in her mind, and she's running through the word of God. Uh, oh, my, are you with me? Uh, that's the idea. His delight is in the law of the Lord. Uh, and in his law, doth he meditate means to mutter, to talk to himself, to run through your mind. Let me say this. Uh, let me say, that's the idea here in the word meditate. It's so important to the righteous man that he finds himself walking around, uh, muttering to himself and running it through his mind uh, all the time. What if we'd be real honest how many times we'd find ourselves doing that? We'd be honest. Listen, there's a lot of things in life that become real important. But according to the text, the righteous man, blessed is the man, is what the Bible said. And his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law doth he meditate day and night. What about how many times we had days if we'd be honest? If we could, Ron, if we could somehow take a projector and put all your thoughts the last week, and I, I'm just picking on you, I think it's true for all of us. I say, wonder how much of that of our mind has been on the Word of God. Right. Right. There's a lot of things, John, get us turned sideways and get us all messed up, and we get all flabbergasted, and I, I just wonder how much of that we can maybe get through a whole lot easier if we just find our delight in the law of the Lord. 
that right? Yeah. That's the difference from the righteous man and the ungodly man. He finds it the light of the law of the Lord, and in his law doth he meditate day and night. Watch this. Notice not only the scriptures and the study, but notice, if you would, thirdly, the season in verse 2. Watch what your Bible says. And in his law doth he meditate, listen to this, day and night. Oh, my. Notice when he does this meditation, day and night. It's so important to him. He's so passionate about the word of God that he's thinking about it, turning it around in his mind all day, every day. No matter what he may be doing, the word of God is on his mind. There's no doubt it is his love and study, the word of God, that keeps him from walking in the counsel of ungodly, standing in the way of sinners, nor sitting God in the city of the scornful. That's why the righteous man doesn't do those things. Uh, because his law, his delight is in the law of the Lord. Uh, and in his law that they meditate day and night. Uh, he gets his counsel from the law of the Lord. Uh, he gets his stand from the law of the Lord. Uh, he sits not to see the scornful, but he sits in the peace uh, of the word of God. Uh, his delight, he meditates day and night. Here's the idea. Here's the idea. The idea is wrong. When he gets up in the morning, so first thing on his mind. When he goes to bed at night, it's the last thing he thinks about. Yeah. Is that right? Yeah. My, my, my. Wonder what our lives would look like. We was having a discussion the other night. Uh, last night, I guess it was. Some of us were talking. We, was talking, we got talking about uh, anxiety and depression and uh, uh, mental health, I guess would be the way to say it. And it seems like that. I made this statement last night to you. Some of us said it seems like that. In the, in the age we live, it seems like that's a taboo subject in the church. Nobody wants to deal with it. Yeah. But it really is real. Right. People really struggle with anxiety and depression and mental illness. It's a real thing. Yeah. Yeah. You don't believe it, study your Bible. David struggled severely right. with mental illness. David, I don't mean ugly, John, uh, but the Bible said David's man after God's own heart. He didn't say that's God's own mind. And David was almost a basket case at yeah. times. There was times where David was about to lose his mind. Is that right? Yeah. I don't die, old man. It's just right. right. I want to say this. Wonder how you know say, preacher, how do you combat that? I think you have. Find sort of like the law of the Lord. Because yeah. it doesn't change. I'll be honest with you. It run that that kind of stuff you see runs in my family. I'm gonna be real transparent. I'm not saying that I'm, I'm, I'm a basket case. I've never, I've never had to go to the doctor over it. But I, I will say this: things bother me. Things outside my control. Things that take me by surprise. Things I'm not expecting. Man, if I'm not careful, it'll set me in a tailspin. I mean, I, I'll get so overwhelmed by it that John, I, I just feel like I just feel like I'm losing control. I don't know what else to do. But you know what I found? I found that a lot of things I have no control over. So I've had to find, John, that the answer is to meditate and find my delight in something that's not going to change. You find a word from God and you meditate. It does not matter what goes on that day. That word does not change. I've heard men, I'm not trying to be ugly, but I know men tonight 
They left for work one morning. Their wife kissed them on the cheek, hugged their neck, told them how much they loved them, and said, I'll see you when you get home. They went to work thinking nothing was going to go wrong that day. Come home that night, found an empty house with a letter on the kitchen table and said, I don't love you anymore. Me and the kids are gone. Goodbye. Yeah. He wasn't expecting that. It's like, my soul, what a change is taking place. Oh, yeah. Is that right? Oh, my, but that word doesn't change. No matter what may come that day, I can meditate and mutter to myself something that I can have absolute, absolute confidence in that it will not change. It will not be altered. It'll endure forever. It'll abide forever. My soul, that's the mark of a righteous man. That he finds his delight in the law of the Lord. In his law doth he meditate day and night. I really believe this one. There is a principle here in the text that hip hops. Uh, if you'd fall that much in love with your Bible, that it's the first thing you think of in the morning. Uh, and it's the last thing you think of at night. Uh, we'd be amazed how our lives would look different. Yeah, right. Now, preacher, how do you know? The Bible said in verse 1, it's still in conjunction with it. The Bible said, blessed is the man that. First three things we saw was what he didn't do. But now we're finding what he does. Is that right? Yeah. Oh my, blessed is the man that walketh not in the castle of God, but standeth where he sitteth on sitteth and sitteth scornful. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and his law doth meditate day and night. We see the season. It's the first thing he thinks of. It's the last thing he thinks of when he goes to bed. Then goes to me in verse 3, and I'll hurry. Notice his planting. We've seen his postures, his stride, his stand, his sitting. We've seen his passion, his passions of scriptures and the study of the scriptures and the season of the scriptures. And those women have you with the planting in verse 3. The Bible said he should be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that bringeth forth his fruit in his season. His leaf also shall not wither, and whatsoever he doeth shall prosper. Those, if you would, the supply. The Bible said he should be like a tree planted. By the rivers of water. The word planted here in verse 3, it can, the Hebrew word carries with it the idea of a transplant. Now there is a difference. If you take, a, uh, say you talk about an oak tree, say you take an acorn and you go and you dig a hole and you put that acorn in that hole and you cover it back up and you pour some water on it and you, you've planted an oak tree. All right? All right. But if you was to go out there wrong one day and you was cutting out some timber and you saw a little, you saw a little sapling that come up, a little sapling of an oak tree that had already been planted, already been buried, and already been watered, already was coming up, and you went and you thought, you know what we really need in our yard? We need an oak tree right there in that corner, whatever the case may be. You went and got your shovel and you dug around that sapling and you picked it up and you put it in the back of the truck and you come home that night and you dug a hole and you set that, you set that sapling with that root ball down in that hole and you covered it up and you padded it down and you got everything where you wanted and you watered it. And what you've done is you've transplanted. It's already been planted, but now you've transplanted, you've moved it from where it was originally planted, put it somewhere else. Is that right? right? That's the idea. When it said he should be like a tree planted by the rivers of water, the idea in the Hebrew is that of a transplant. That Earl, that's not where he's always been. All right? That's not where he got his start. Oh my. I hope you're with me. I'm going somewhere. The idea is this. 
Not always has this righteous man been able to say that he standeth not in the way of sinners, that he walketh not in the paths of the ungodly. Not always been able to say he doesn't sit and see the scornful. Not always been able to say that his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law doth he meditate day and night. Not all, that's not where he got his start. But Kirk, if he'll find himself doing those things, if he'll discipline himself to do those things, and not do those things, then God tells us in verse 3 that he shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water. Now this in verse 3, Kenny, is not something that you and I do. Yeah. Verse 1, we have the responsibility to, to, to discipline ourselves not to walk in the counsel of God nor stand in the way of sinners nor sit in the sin of the scornful. Verse 2, we have the responsibility to discipline ourselves to find our delight in the law of the Lord and in that law meditate day and night. But in verse 3, it's not our responsibility. That tree does not transplant itself, but somebody comes along and digs around it, moves it, plants it, covers it back up, waters it, fertilizes it, cares for it, tends to it. It's a transplant. It's, this is a promise from God. Verse 3 tells us what God will do for the righteous man. Let's look at it quickly. Notice the supply. Uh, what a truth, the righteous man is like a tree planted by the rivers of water. Well, that's a pretty good place for a tree to be planted. Right. The worst thing, that the, the thing that a tree needs the most is water. Yeah. Is that right? Without water, it'll die. Without diet, without water, it'll wither. Without water, it'll not grow properly. Without water, it'll be stunted. It needs water. And uh, not notice this, not only is it planted by water, not only... Is it planted by a river of water? But the Bible said planted by the rivers of water. The idea, Michelle, is more than one. It's an abundance. It's more than could have ever been wanted. It's the supply. God says if you'll do these things and not do these things, then Lord, I'll make you like a tree planted by the rivers of water. You'll have more than you could ever need. I don't mean that financially. I don't mean that necessarily physically, but the idea is that God will bless you and supply for you that which you need because you've been faithful to study and meditate on his word and you've been faithful not to do the things which you're commanded. Notice this, i got to hurry. Water in scripture is symbolic of two things. It's symbolic of both the Holy Ghost and the word of God. I said this, the righteous man finds all that he needs and more uh, in the scriptures and the leading of the Spirit of God. The, the righteous man, that would be like a tree planted by the rivers of water. Rivers, almost, one writer said it was almost like a, like, oh my, mm, I won't put it on going here. The one writer said, Johnny, it was almost uh, in the Hebrew. I don't know if this is right or not. I'm just telling you what he said uh, because I'm not a good enough agree, uh, Hebrew to tell you whether it is or not. But one writer said, Kirk, the idea was almost like one river that split into two. And this tree was planted right in the midst of both of them. Uh, uh, and, and he even said it could be the idea that it, come, that it separated, made an island, and then come back together. I don't know if that's true or not. I'm just telling you what one writer said. Uh, but I will say this. Uh, you cannot separate the Spirit of God from the Word of God. Right. Right. That's what water represents in your Bible, those two. Uh, and at times they are pictured differently. Still water is always the Word of God. 
running water almost always is the Spirit of God. Yeah, but it seems like, John, the idea is that both of them, uh, now we're planted in the center of both. That, oh my, by the Spirit of God and by the Word of God, we get a direction. We get our supply. We get everything that we need. Uh, it's where we find our substance. It's where we find our strength. Uh, it's where we find our security. Uh, it's where we find our stability. Uh, it's where we find everything that we need. Uh, and God said, I'll make him like a tree. Uh, planted by the rivers of water. Now watch this. Now we're going to send supply. No swimming if you would. The substance. Verse number three, the Bible said this. It should be like a tree planted by the rivers of water. Find all that it needs. That bringeth forth his fruit in his season. What about that? Bible said, I'll make it like a tree planted by the rivers of water. And then there's a promise, Noah, that in his season, in his time, I, he'll bring forth his fruit. Is that right? right. Oh, my. There's a promise. Uh, there's a promise of uh, production. There's a promise of substance. Uh, I want to say this. What a promise that he'll bring forth his fruit in his season. There's no wondering whether or not the righteous man will bear fruit or not. The Lord had much to say in Scripture about bearing fruit. Turn around if you want to do a quick John chapter 15. John chapter 15. You say, preacher, what's so good about bearing fruit? Let's see what the Lord said about it real quick. John chapter 15. Watch this. John chapter 15 and verse number 1. John chapter 15 and verse number 1. I'll quit in just a moment. John chapter 15 and verse number 1, the Bible said, I am the true vine. My father is the husbandman. Every branch in me that beareth not fruit, he taketh away. Every branch that beareth fruit, he purgeth it, that it may bring forth more fruit. Now ye are clean through the word which I have spoken unto you. Abide in me, I in you, as the branch cannot bear fruit of itself, except it abide in the vine. No more can ye, except ye abide in me. I am the vine, ye are the branches. He that abideth in me, and I in him, the same bringeth forth much fruit. For without me ye can do nothing. If a man abide not in me, he is cast forth as a branch, and is withered, and men gather them, and cast them into the fire, and they are burned. If ye abide in me, my words abide in you, ye shall ask what you will, and it shall be done unto you. Herein is my Father glorified, that ye bear much fruit. So shall you be my disciples. Now I'd love, that's a lot of preaching I could do right there, but I'm not. I just want to say this. The Lord is interested in John chapter 15. Uh, he's very interested in his followers bearing fruit. Can I show you something real quick? He tells us this principle that he's the vine, we're the branches. And the branch is what bears fruit. Is that right? Yeah, that branch comes forth the fruit. And he says that the branch cannot bear fruit unless it's in the vine. And then it tells us all the same is true of you and I. We cannot bear fruit unless we're in him. Because we're the branches and he's the vine. Thank God we've been put in him. And that vine is what gives forth all the nutrients. That vine is what gives forth all the uh, all the things that those branches need to produce fruit. And so that's the reason in verse 3 of Psalm 1 that God can make that promise that the righteous man shall bring forth his fruit in his season because it's not dependent upon the man, it's dependent upon him. Isn't that right? He's the one. He's planted beside the rivers of water. Uh, it's the word of God. And, the, and, and it's the word of God. The spirit 
of God that works through him to produce this fruit. Not his ability, but God's ability. Let me show you a few things here in John 15. I've got to hurry. You say, preacher, how interested is the Lord in it? Notice there's three degrees of fruit that the child of God can bear. In verse number two, the Bible said this, every branch in me that beareth not, he taketh away. And every branch, watch this, that beareth fruit. So the first thing you can do this morning is bear fruit. Is that right? Yeah. He that beareth fruit. What's this? Verse 2. The Bible said, Every branch uh, that beareth, in me that beareth not fruit, he takes away. And every branch that beareth fruit, what's this? He purgeth it, that it may bring forth, what's this? More fruit. So they some Kirk that bear fruit. And then there's some that bear more fruit. Is that right? Yeah. Now watch with me if you would, verse 5. Jesus said, I am the vine, you are the branches. He that abideth in me, and I in him, the same bringeth forth, watch this, much fruit. So you can bear fruit, more fruit, and much fruit. Is that right? Yeah. Now you say, preacher, what's so important about all that? Why does it matter? As long as I'm bearing fruit, what's it matter how much? Well, I'll tell you why. Look with me in verse number 8. Jesus said, Herein is my Father glorified, and watch this, that ye bear fruit. Is that right? Here is my Father glorified, that ye bear more fruit. Is that right? Here is my Father glorified, that ye bear much fruit. You know the reason it's important for you and I to bear fruit? It's not to make us look better. Yeah. It's not for our name to be on a plaque. It's not for our name to be up in lights. But according to John 15, 8, the Father is glorified when we bear much fruit. With that being understood, do you realize the importance that in Psalm 1, verse 3, the Bible said in his season he shall bear <clears throat> my life. If God is glorified by me bringing forth much fruit, I want to find out, John, what I have to do and what I shouldn't do to bear as much fruit as I possibly can. I want to have that now listen, you got you can't, you can't bear fruit unless you're in the vine, is what the Bible says. But there's some that bear fruit. There's some that bear more fruit. And there's some that bear much fruit. Would you not agree that a tree planted by the river getting all the nutrients, all the water, all that it needs is going to bear more fruit than one that's not? Is that right? The idea is this. This righteous man is blessed all by. No, it's not this blessing that God promises is not so much a blessing on the righteous man as it is that God is going to bless him by allowing him to bring glory to the Father. Yeah. What about that? Yeah. I got hurt. We see the supply. We see the substance. Watch this. Notice with me quickly that I quit the success in verse number three. The Bible said, Psalm 1, verse 3. He shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that bringeth forth his fruit this season. Listen to this, his leaf also shall not wither. 
whatsoever he doeth shall prosper. Notice the success. We understand this more. This does not mean the righteous man will never struggle. Doesn't mean he'll be he's promised to be wealthy or famous. However, we find that God will prosper him in his efforts. Bless him in his endeavors for the Lord. What a blessing it is to realize that it is Christ working through us. It's his power, his ability that causes us to produce fruit. The more we desire to abide in him, the more he'll prosper our efforts and the more that God will be glorified. Is that right? What's what he said? His leaf also shall not wither. Whatsoever he doeth shall prosper. Know what a tree does? Bears fruit. God is not saying if I go and if I go and start a business that it, it'll it'll not fail and it'll prosper and I'll be that's not what it's saying. The idea is this that the righteous man, God, will God will ensure that his way is prospered, that his deeds are prospered. Here's the idea, Lord. If you, if you, if you determine your heart and discipline yourself to be a righteous man. You, you find your delight in the law of the Lord. In his law, you meditate day and night. If you, if you determine you're not going to walk in the counsel of God, you're not going to sit in the way, stand away in sinners and sit and sit and scorn for you. are going to set your heart out and your life out to God. You want God to use you and, and, uh, and to work through you. What he's saying is this. Despite our most feeble efforts, <coughs> God will prosper our efforts to bring forth more fruit so that God be glorified. You see that? Brooke Kenny made a statement this morning for Sunday school. Said that said that that's one of the best messages he'd ever heard in the book of Ruth. And I, I meant honestly, I thought to myself, he must not have heard much, much preach on Ruth, all I know. But the idea is this there's not anything in man. Anything, it's a hard truth to learn sometimes. Because our flesh likes to rise up, but the truth of the matter is this, God, any message, anything I've ever said or done that's been a help to anybody, Lord, it's not for me. It's the fact that God has prospered my very feeble efforts. Yeah. Is that right? That he's ensured the success of it. Yeah. Not me. Is that right? Oh, my. Same true in your life today. Anything you're going to do for God, you want to realize you cannot do it yourself. So it's a situation we talked about last night in the marriage workshop, and I'll quit right here. It's a funny situation. God's ways are not our ways. His thoughts are not our thoughts. If, you want, if I was going to hire somebody to work for me in a secular job, I'd want the most qualified. I'd want the smartest, the most intelligent, the best dressed. There'd be all kinds of things I consider, and I'd want to hire the best of the best of the ones that apply do you know what God's interested in? He's not interested in somebody that makes herself look better. He's interested in somebody that will lower themselves and humble themselves. Oh my, what about that? Let's stand with them. Let's be efficient in this song.